Welcome to Rogue Stories, a podcast by Rogue Mark Studios. We are an illustrated video and animation company in Berkeley, California. This is a podcast about stories from our clients, our friends, our neighbors. Some stories are big. Others are so small you could mistake them for a footnote. This first episode features an interview with Brady Gill, an Oakland-based writer and camp director. This year, we worked with Brady to create an animated short film for his poem story, The Mountain of Should. In our conversation, Brady and Rogue Mark writer Bethany Kaler explore playfulness and vulnerability. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with becoming a dog. I crawled around on all fours, hid under the coffee table, lapped water from a bowl. I even bit my brother. When you're young, the world seems to give itself to you for adventure. With a little imagination, a pile of blankets and chairs transforms into the most epic fort ever. An old stationary bike becomes a time machine. But at some point, the pile of blankets gets folded and stacked. The stationary bike sold at a garage sale for a measly sum. Once infinite, the opportunities for playfulness seem to dwindle and disappear. For many of us, being playful becomes a rare sight, one we reserve for people we know and trust the most. Not for Brady Gill, though. The first thing to know about Brady is that he's built his life around play. He's a self-proclaimed camp enthusiast. And I don't mean like backpacking camping, but like... Summer camp camping. Since the age of six, there's three summers that I haven't been at summer camp. <laughs> um, I went to day camp, and then I went to a residential camp up, up by Yosemite. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after I was done with that, I worked there for many years, and then directed day camps, and then started doing summer camp for grown-ups, too. I also do, like, summer camp for adults. These days, Brady owns and operates a company called Custom Camps where organizations hire him to facilitate off-sites and retreats. Essentially, he orchestrates large group adult play. Imagine a CEO in a huge rock-paper-scissors competition. Brady's the guy who makes that happen. So, like, you know, if Google wants to take their team out into the woods and have, like, a really fun day of play and crafting (laughs) and things like that, I'm the guy who helps them do it. In addition to his impressive camp history, Brady has worked as a sex educator a playworks instructor, and, my personal favorite, a living history impersonator. Well, I mean, other jobs I've had, I've done, like, living history outdoor education, where I'm Mm. pretending to be, like, a pirate on a ship and (laughs) teach kids how to row. As children, most of us were encouraged to be playful. Brady is peculiar in that, throughout his adult life, he's been trained to be playful. I was just always taught that it was worthwhile. And I think that's a major thing, is that in every situation that I was in, being playful was a valued asset. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it helps that I really didn't um, conform to the academic system very much and got out of it as quickly as I could. Because um, I think in academia, play is really frowned on in a lot of yeah. ways. Um, and so rather than like follow that route, I didn't go to college. I just went like straight to acting school and then okay. decided I didn't want to be an actor. And then I've just been like, jumping around from place to place and thing to thing after that. Brady has managed to build a career around examining play. And, I'd argue, the human condition. But more on that later. In order to nurture play in other people, Brady meets them where they're at. He never prescribes a singular right way to play. 
What may be a blast for one person is absolute hell for the next. Anyone who's been to multiple train museums with their grandparents knows what I'm talking about. For some folks, like, playing a really competitive game of soccer is, like, you know, just joyful play. Mm-hmm. And for other folks, that's, like, literally the worst thing that could possibly happen, <laughs> and they're spending their entire time feeling terrible. For some folks, organizing a stamp collection is, like, the most, like, just amazing play possible, choosing where to put it, making sure you have all those things. Mm-hmm. That's a pure play state. And for probably the person playing soccer, that's, like, the most tedious yeah. task in the world. And for some folks, like, figuring out how to, like, solve a conflict and I'm actually one of those people um is really fun and you can get really into it but a lot of folks it isn't play also transforms within a single lifetime what may have been fun years ago can seem archaic now younger kids the games have to be fairly simple because it takes a lot for them to understand complex rules Mm -hmm. Um, but the great thing about younger kids is that their imaginations are vibrant in a way that is less the case often with older folks. That certainly resonates with me. When I remember how I pretended to be a dog, I'm both embarrassed by the absurdity and pretty impressed with the commitment. There's no way I'd crawl around and bark at passing cars now. Even if I wanted to, it would feel like a performance, a nostalgic wave to the past. And this is what interests me the most about playfulness. How, as we get older, play becomes more abstract, more intimidating. Once flaunted in public, playfulness becomes something to be done in private, as if it were a guilty pleasure or an indulgence. And so it actually is quite scary for some teenagers and grown-ups to play because um, it, it feels very vulnerable um, to, like, kind of, Playing is kind of like showing your underbelly, showing your childish <laughs> side, you know, being la- like laughing and being silly is actually something that a lot of us are trained not to do. And even if adults can muster up the courage to be playful, the entry price seems unnaturally high. If we're too playful or silly, then we might be written off, labeled as unprofessional or immature. We might go unseen. In our society, we're really taught that play is rather superfluous. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not a valued thing a lot of the time in our society. And so, and not only that, but it's kind of labeled as foolish or silly. It's a familiar dilemma. The coming-of-age story has laid the foundation for hundreds of films, books, and sitcoms. We're told that as we get older, life gets harder and remarkably less silly. Our playfulness seems to atrophy, losing its stamina. It's no wonder growing up seems so scary. Just think of how hard Peter Pan tried to stay in Neverland. Last year I was teaching puberty to a room of fourth grade boys. Mm -hmm. And at the end of everything I taught, male puberty, female puberty, um, at the end of all of it, this little boy raises his hand and I go, yeah, I'd ask for questions. And he goes, I understand all this, but when I go through puberty, am I going to lose my imagination? Oh, my gosh. Because he saw the world. Yeah. And saw such a drastic difference between the grown-up world and the kid world. Even for the most playful adults among us, there is a difference between the kid world and the grown-up world. I'm still curious about what life as a dog is like, but I also know that hiding under a coffee table probably won't bring me closer to the answers I'm looking for. Brady's had a similar experience. I have just, like, this very clear memory of being, like, in first grade and playing a game called All the Powers 
in the universe, and everyone got to pick one power. Okay. And, like, that was there, but they could make up anything, and then we just make up stories with that. And there was one time when I decided that my power was that I was a dolphin. Oh. And I just have this crystal clear memory of just swimming through my playground. You know? And, yeah. like, I spent... I, I, I lost the group. Everyone was going on some other story, and I just swam through the playground, <laughs> and that was just... That's hard to get to now. Yeah. Like, that's a hard thing as an adult to do, but I truly spent 20 minutes just dolphin diving through the playground, and that was pure play. The way Brady nurtures adult playfulness reflects his understanding of the nuances between the two worlds. He's aware that when it comes to play, most grown-ups are pretty rusty. They don't get 30 minutes every day at recess to practice. So, when he facilitates large group adult play, he's thoughtful about it. You gotta be thoughtful, you gotta play like games that don't take too much um, personal courage to play at the beginning, you know, stuff that's kind of low risk and activities Mm -hmm. that seem doable. Throughout our conversation, Brady kept returning to that word, courage. It takes courage to be playful, he insisted. In many ways, I agree. Playfulness often requires vulnerability. Mustering up the courage to let my guard down to truly play feels intimidating. Like I'm naked. For whatever reason, the stakes seem a whole lot higher than they used to when I was young. But there are times when playfulness doesn't feel courageous. In fact, sometimes it feels cowardly, even delusional. When playfulness functions as an escape, it seems hollow. What does pure play look like in the face of climate change, systemic oppression, your grandmother's long and arduous death? I asked Brady about this. It gave him pause. I threw a party for the election in 2016, which I don't know who is listening feels about that, but for me it did not go the way I wanted it to go. Um, And I threw this giant party, and then suddenly everyone's there, and we're all devastated, and I'm... All I could do was, like, wash dishes furiously. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And my friend Nicolette, who's actually a very, like, sensitive person, and I would expect to be quite devastated in this, just goes to the stereo, turns on some music, and just starts dancing. Yeah. And, like, starts, like, dancing around the room and really puts on a show for all of us. And... That was, and that was her way of like making the world a better place in that moment. Yeah. And it truly helped everyone cope. And, and when it initially happened, I think everyone's like, well, how could she be dancing right, right now? We're in so much pain. But then it was incredibly cathartic and allowed us a way through that moment. Perhaps then, playfulness isn't so much an escape route as an entry point. Maybe getting outside of ourselves allows us to more fully enter another experience and to imagine another life. Framed in a different light, pretending to be a dog or a dolphin can be seen as an exploration and empathy, or even an observation in the boundaries of our own identity. If this is true, then playfulness can open the world up. And in turn, if we're lucky, the world may offer itself back to us. We are told that the world is one way, both by the world and by society and by media and also by ourselves. Um, And we have this pretty, I think a lot of folks have a pretty static image of the way the world is. And when you take someone out of that and show them a completely different reality, you crack the, 
the the surface of that vision of what the way the world is and from that crack it doesn't always happen but like oftentimes it can eventually shatter everything or like Mm -hmm. it's just like the understanding of a possibility is a really powerful thing indeed it is This podcast was written by Bethany Kaler. Grace Ledger is the editor. Thanks to Brady Gill for the interview. Produced by Rogue Mark Studios. And music by Metallica. Off to never, never land. <laughs>